Welcome to the Small Business Big Solutions Podcast, where we discuss the tech solutions that drive the most successful small businesses today. I'm your host, Ian Thompson, and each month I'll be joined by a guest to help shed insights into those solutions. Hybrid work empowers people to work on-site, off-site, and even move between locations. It also promotes inclusiveness, engagement, and well-being for all employees, which is enabled through technology. But with all these great benefits comes a challenge that is critical to small businesses and their success. How do they choose, install, and manage the right technology solutions that support hybrid work within their own business? To answer this, I'm joined today by Dan Kelcher, a solutions architect at IP Fabric with a ton of experience in choosing, deploying, and managing these IT solutions. Dan, you are a solutions architect at IP Fabric. You're also a Cisco champion, I see, and I noticed you have enough acronyms <laughs> after your name to make a doctor blush. I do. So, I mean, I, I couldn't even begin to guess at what some of them meant. They mean that I've taken a lot of tests. I've spent a lot of time studying. I've probably forgotten a whole bunch of it by now, but yeah, I've I've spent my share of time in the test centers. Yeah, I think you, like, safe, this is such a trope, but safe to say you have forgotten more about technology than I may ever know. I I do still remember setting dip switches to get computers to boot, so it's, okay. it goes a ways back, but yeah, I I remember vaguely the, the concept of things like Banyan Vines and Thick Net, Thin Net, Token Ring, so yeah, it's, I've been doing this way too long. <laughs> I saw... Uh, on your LinkedIn, that you were recently on the Cisco on Cisco Champion Radio. I was, and you were talking containers and service meshes and cryptography. And Dan, I have some bad news. We are going to talk about almost none of that. Maybe I, actually none of that today. We we did talk a little bit about the quantum cryptography and how that relates to security and how how the whole quantum computing idea is going to eventually be a a fundamental shift in how security works. So we touched on it a little bit, but yeah, security is a yeah. fun field. I went to RSA uh, about four years ago, and that was where I was like at a keynote and they started talking cryptography. And I was like, this is not Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code <laughs> that we are talking about here. I, I still just go back to that secret decoder ring that was like in the cereal box when I was a kid. And yes, that's, yes. That's cryptography. Like it's the computers just do it much, much more efficiently than, you know, twisting a little dial. But same For idea. Sure. Same idea. All right. Well, then I understand it fully. Exactly. It's really Let's, all you got to know. <laughs> Let's talk about something that I am a little more familiar with and our, I think our audience is as well. Hybrid work. So... Cisco is obviously fully hybrid, and I feel like you have a unique perspective on it as a solutions architect. So is it something that you guys are doing in IP Fabric? Or, I mean, you look like you are at home right now, so there's some semblance of hybrid work going on. So let, let's talk about how that is working for you, and then just kind of what stress is that put on an organization? Sure. So yeah, first off, I guess hybrid work is one of those things that means a whole bunch of things to a whole bunch of people. So I guess when when I 
use the term hybrid work, I kind of look at it the idea that, you know, you can work from anywhere. You could be in an office, you can be remote, you could be coffee shop, airport, you name it, you can work from there. We've had one of the things with this idea is that it's been around for a very long time. The idea of remote work, small offices, VPN, working from home, working remotely, whatever terms you want to use, that that concept has existed. So this isn't new. But really, the the big shift that's happened over the past couple of years now is more and more people well were basically forced to work from home and have started to enjoy it and want to work from home or remotely. Is it used to be that small percentage of the workforce? It used to be the you know that that one sales rep that was out in the middle of nowhere that wasn't near an office, but you know they they had to be remote or somebody was on vacation but they needed connectivity. And then all of a sudden, it was the majority of the workforce. So it became this, this thing of how do we make sure that the remote experience matches what's the, the on-prem experience? How do we make sure that no matter where you are, you have a similar experience? And really, the, the big thing now from kind of the security lens is when everybody was in the office, I had everybody behind the corporate firewalls. I had everybody inside that kind of that, that the walls that I had built around my network in the, the yeah, few, they're in the castle right exactly and the few people that were like out on the edges it was a small percentage so you know they were expendable uh and it, it now we're at this point where we the, the castle doesn't really have walls anymore we have this anybody could be anywhere and i i don't really have that ability to control it in the same way so now we've got, how do we make sure that we, we provide that experience to people? How do we give people that flexibility and maintain that security? Because it's, it's not going away. I mean, I, I, for one, yeah, I work from home. I, 10 years ago, I hated working from home because the experience was different. It was, you know, I'm sitting here by myself. I don't have the team relationship. I don't have that stuff. Now I've got the ability between the, the collaboration tools. I've got everything that I need. I can do what I, I, I can still communicate with the team effectively, but I don't have to spend you know, 45 minutes in traffic. I, I live in Minnesota. We have this thing called snow. And when that happens to fall from the sky and the roads get slick and that you know, 45 minute commute turns into a three hour commute, I, I don't have to deal with that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. So, no, for sure. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing where it's a we're not we're not going to get to a point where everybody's back in the office. We're not going to get to a point where the way that things used to be is going to be in some scenarios. Maybe people want to be back. Maybe a, a job requires it, whatever. But it's having the flexibility, having the when the, the job and the person and the, the culture works to be remote. It's that's going to be part of it. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned like a couple of years ago, it was not a great experience and it was conference calls. There was no real video in the, I mean, there was, it was there, but there wasn't adoption, right? Like I remember I used to work with people and I was the only one who would get on video because I was working with Cisco in some capacity and they used to call me the video guy and I'd be on a WebEx with 11 people and I'm the only one on video. And I was like, this is nuts. I'm just staring at myself right now. And it's like, it's an awkward, like they see me, I don't see them. And even that was a step forward from that like old, you know, dial in and sit there and someone's on mute and you have no idea because you can't actually see them trying to talk. So we've come a long way very quickly. And obviously the pandemic, I think, facilitated some of that. 
Do you see that slowing down or do you think we're going to kind of continue on this accelerated technological development track we're on? I, I think that it's a little bit of both. I think the because of the everything that happened with the pandemic, like things things move very, very quickly. So, yeah. I, I mean, part of it is I think that 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 level of pace is going to slow down. But at the same time, it's not we're on a trajectory now that that we wouldn't have been on otherwise. So I, I see there being a lot of a shift and it's it's cultural changes that need to happen around, like you said, the, the meetings, again, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, when there was that, that conference call and everybody was in a room and then like there was the little turtle phone and people join in. Yep. And the, the person that was on, that was dialed in that had a question was trying to like ask a question and nobody could hear and all the little banter that was happening in the room if you were the person that was dialed into that meeting, you, you didn't get the same experience. It was no. Yeah. And it, that's, and you were, people are sitting there hitting mute talking about you. Exactly. (laughs) Like it was, it it was a very different experience. If you were that person that was remote, you were the, the smaller part of the team usually, and you didn't get that same thing. So like you said, the, the use of webcams, the, the prevalence of a lot of the technology and a lot of the advancements that have happened especially with like looking at the ability to do the virtual backgrounds, the, the sound, being able to mute the sound, all that, or the, the background noise and all that stuff just to make your, you're in a home environment. There's somebody's vacuuming or there's, you know, the, the kids running around in the background. So we have this ability now to, to kind of make that, that experience a little bit better to have the, that connection without necessarily having the that impact of uh you know you're kind of the odd one of the group that's often you know wherever you might be so yeah it's i see again a lot of it comes down to culture people embracing it getting used to the idea and just getting comfortable with this is kind of the way that things work the again there's there's pros and cons to it the flexibility a lot of people appreciate the ability to to kind of, I can hop on a meeting. the The team that I'm work or I work with, we're geographically dispersed. We've got people throughout the U.S. and Europe. And being able to just hop on a call with people anywhere, have a conversation, communicate, and do that without needing to. How do we get everybody into the same place at the same time? That flexibility is huge. Yeah. Now, the one thing I think. It, that is continuing to improve tangibly, and, and we referenced it earlier. I'm sure it puts some there's some challenges on the IT side, but it's security. And I feel like that logging. You know, we have there's obviously any connect that we log into at Cisco every day, and and we have multi-factor authentication throughout the day, and and that's not going anywhere. And almost I think some of that's going to continue to get layered on top of it. But I do think the ease of use for it is getting better. Like I've in my time at Cisco, I've noticed Duo becoming less obstructive and I've noticed some of these things kind of becoming more background where I'm on the, I'm on the network and I don't even know I'm on the network at times and I'm like, oh, I'm already logged in. That's great. Whereas I distinctly remember sitting down, having to log into a VPN. If, you know, God forbid something happens to my network where the Wi-Fi clicks out for a second, my, everything shuts off. I get totally kicked out of the VPN. Now I got to start all over again. So I think that kind of security not being bracketed on, but being seamlessly integrated is something that is, has come a long way. And I assume we will continue to see more of. Right. 
And this is this is one of the areas that yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's advancing, and the the joy of the world of security is that there's that there's constantly a as threats evolve, the the security methods, the tools, everything needs to to ramp up accordingly. So you mentioned multi-factor authentication. Used to be password was good enough, and now we're at a point where yeah, yeah the password not good enough. It used to be one password, right? Was good one enough. one now password, I got, yeah, twelve. Of and them. and my password was you know one two three four, and we were good to go. I never had to change it. It was that was those were the days. But yeah, now we're at a point where your password needs to be eight characters and three or four, and you've got your multi-factor set up, so you've got to get your SMS push or whatever that might be. All of that stuff is building, but also kind of like you said, there's 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 also a big push for how do we make that easier. So you mentioned Duo and kind of in the the security, the Cisco security world, there's been a lot of stuff that has been kind of building towards how do we we streamline this process? How do we do some kind of more risk-based assessment of what are you trying to access? What information do I already kind of know about your session? Your hey, you're on a, a corporate machine, so I, I know because of a certificate or whatever it might be. Like I I might have these things that I can use to authenticate, and now I don't necessarily need to challenge the user as much to to get that same level of assurance that you are who you say you are. So yeah, there's a, a lot of development in that space to, again, try and maintain that high level of security without necessarily adding more burden to the end user. Yeah, for sure. So kind of jumping off from there then, if you were advising an organization today around hybrid work, and I, recently I, I literally have just wrote a blog talking about this, to me, it's kind of the food pyramid, right? Like networking's foundational, and then you kind of have to have your balanced diet of security and collaboration. Yep. Is it as simple as that, or are there <laughs> other care abouts? Yeah, I know it's not, but are there other care about? I'm a marketer, Dan, all right? I mean, it's the, the joy of, uh, yes, it, it's on one hand, yes, it is that simple if you break it down to that level of simplicity. But inside each one of those, there's a whole bunch of complexity. Uh, so, yeah, first, like you said, you've got to have the network. You've got to have the, the network has to exist. That's, you know, layer one. That's foundational. And then you're building on the, the policies and the security, making sure that it's it's built out. And that's secure network. It's It sounds like it's just a checkbox, like secure network done. There's a lot that needs to go into that and understanding what that means. And Different organizations have different requirements and compliance, PCI, HIPAA, all of these other things. So there's there's a, a, a huge amount of complexity in every area. But yeah, it's secure network, check the box, get the collaboration tool, check the box, run the network, check the box, done. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Eat fruits and vegetables every day. Right. Exactly. If it was only that easy. <laughs> No, it's obviously not easy. And I think uh, managing those solutions is one thing that at least is getting easier, right? Because the installation, to your point, the carabouts are still, there's a lot that goes into it. And it, it would feel like there's a lot that goes into kind of the oversight and management of that. But things like single pane of glass, which is something that's kind of, I would say, starting to get adopted more across the board. Cisco announced, obviously, the catalyst switch is getting rolled into that Meraki dashboard. 
WebEx just ride. I don't want this to be a commercial for Cisco at all, but WebEx just announced there. You know, we have Insights Analytics integrated. That I just started looking at mine. I need to be better about being on time to some meetings. But it, you're starting to get these two productivity tools that are allowing thinner, leaner organizations to have kind of some of the the high level data management that larger organizations have. And I think that's to me at least helping evangelize or spread hybrid work throughout companies that didn't think it was possible before. Yeah. And I mean, just across the technology stack, the one of the benefits of, of just technology over time is the things that used to be really reserved for those high end, very advanced environments eventually kind of trickles down and becomes more kind of more available. I mean, you go through and you think about things like cell phones. I, I was watching an old movie with my kid last couple nights ago, and it was from like the early 90s, and there was like an old cell phone. And it was in the you know early 90s, these cell phones were big, and like it was a really big deal. And now everybody's got them. They're everywhere. You know, you, you might cycle through them, and kids have cell phones. But it, that, that same kind of idea happens across the, the technology stack. The... The complexity, the tools that used to be really expensive are now kind of baked in. They're, they're much more accessible. And it gives the, the ability to get a lot of that information to, you know, the, the complex security. I mean, we talked about Duo. Ten years ago, getting multi-factor authentication was a lot more challenging than it is now. You set up a soft token, set up Duo. I mean, the kind of the, the tagline is, you know, you're going to have it set up in a handful of minutes. It's depending on what you're trying to do, it might be a little little more than a couple minutes, but it, it isn't the days or weeks or months that it used to be. It's, it is a whole lot easier to start getting that stuff integrated. And the when you look at the amount of time investment to get something, you know, just pick on Duo, the, the time that it takes to get that set up or the complexity today is much easier. It doesn't take the, you know, you don't need somebody dedicated to dig into it to figure out all the different integrations and the policies and all that stuff. It's it's almost point and click. It's not quite that easy, but it's it's definitely much easier, much more accessible to a, a much wider range of audiences. Definitely. All right. I got two questions left for you, Dan. Uh-oh. First, first one is if you could give kind of one call a recommendation or piece of advice to small businesses when they're looking at IT buying decisions, what would it be? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> the, the big thing, Sprung this one. Yeah. This is, this is one of those big questions. A big part of it is a lot of companies will look at, you look at kind of the cost and the value prop of things. And this is one of those Really, the the big thing I think that people don't think about is, you know, this is the cost of doing something. But what's the cost if you don't? What's the cost if you don't? I, I was just in a conversation about PCI and everything that goes into maintaining PCI compliance. So PCI, payment card industry, if you're processing credit card transactions, things like that, there's a, a set of recommendations that that you should be following. And, you know, you should do it. But some of them are complicated. And it's, again, one of those things. It's a list of 12 things. Seems easy, but you break into those 12 things and there's hundreds of bullet points and subtasks and all that stuff. So it's 
It's not quite that food pyramid type thing. It's a little deeper. But if you don't follow it, if there is a breach, you, number one, could get fined thousands of dollars per month. You can lose the ability to process credit cards. You're going to lose essentially credibility as a business. You're going to be exposed to potential lawsuits because of that breach of information. The The cost of not following that, I mean, it, it could literally destroy a business. So, yes, going through the effort of doing it might be harder. There, there's going to be some some work to get it done. But the cost of not doing it, I mean, again, it it could sink a business. It could have a very profound impact. So the the cost of not doing it usually outweighs the the cost of doing it. Yeah, and I think, and I, I could we talked about this last episode. We had Mike Storm on, and just the idea that I think the thought that so many small business owners have that like, oh, it won't happen to me. It happens to the big guys. What do I have? Well, what you don't have is more of the issue because if you don't invest in some of these technologies and firewalls and multi-factor authentication, you're just a sitting duck. Right. And and when you know a hacker goes through the landscape of where they're going to target, it's the guy who has nothing set up, who's a low-hanging fl- fruit, that's going to be a lot juicier of a target than this larger organization who has procedures and uh, technology in place to prevent something like this. Right. And that's kind of the the fun part about this is when you think about cybersecurity and you think about the Internet, everything is accessible over the Internet. Like the this idea that, well, nobody knows that I'm here. A lot of the attackers that are out there and there's there's within the, the attack landscape. Again, a lot of this is going to be a whole bunch of oversimplifying. There are definitely people that are very focused. We're going to pick an individual target and we are going to we're going to go after this company or or this organization or whatever because it's a high profile thing but there's also a big a big segment it's just i'm just going to look for what's open i'm just going to basically do a broad scan and if i find an easy target i'm going to essentially just use automated tools try the obvious stuff and see what happens so there's a big part of it that they're they're definitely less sophisticated attacks but that's because they're based on targets that don't have that same sophistication in the that security space. So they're they're from an attacking standpoint, they're easier targets. There there's not a whole lot that you need to do, and if there's an internet presence, they're easy enough to find. I mean, it's the same thing with you know phishing emails, things like that. They usually a good chunk of phishing emails aren't individually tailored. It's just a blast email that goes out to hundreds of thousands or millions of people and. Somebody clicks the link. It happens. We wouldn't have yeah. the stuff that we do if people didn't click the links. So it's those blast type situations are intended to catch those smaller environments that don't have the same controls. The the very tailored attacks, the ones where things are, you know, dear insert title here or dear person. This is from the CEO and it's got the CEO's name and it really looks legitimate. That takes a little more time, and a lot of those tend to be targeted to the bigger organizations. But yeah, the, those widespread blasts are really intended to catch the smaller organizations. For sure. All right, last question, shifting gears. I promise this one's not as hard. Uh-oh. We ask every guest to finish the episode. If you were on a deserted island, what two items are you bringing with you? Ooh. Uh, I was on a deserted island... And it's only two items, so I can't two be like a, a TV and an Xbox and a controller. Uh, 
Well, I, you, I mean, you could bring those, but, but I don't. I know don't have anything to plug them in because I, yeah. you know, a solar panel and a generator. And now I'm well over my two items. Could I bring a boat? And that's an sure. item. Well, and yeah, I'm gonna bring. Not? I'm gonna bring a. I'm gonna bring a yacht. <laughs> like that. Fully equipped. That's one item. Fully equipped yacht. And the second item then would be the Xbox to go on the yacht because I'm I sailing like that. off that island. There we go. Thinking outside the box. Hey, I like it, Dan. Two, two items. You didn't say they had to be no. stuff I could carry or anything. So. You're right. Look for the loopholes. Listen, I love it. I appreciate it. Uh, the hackers are. So that's our, our <laughs> exactly. finishing words to our audience there. Dan, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on. Sounds good. It's been fun. Thank you.